0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is another chat with Josh and Wayne. Now, if you tuned in last week, you know that I did have a talk with Josh and Wayne then, um, but I thought that each part of this chat was basically good enough as a standalone, so I decided to release them not as a part one and a part two, but as separate episodes. Now, if you enjoy this one, be sure to go check out the last episode. The last episode, we talk about superpowers and the human culling and a few other sort of morality things. And um, this one, we talk about religion and faith um and our favorite animals essentially we talk about consciousness and a few other things as well but we we kind of speak about what our favorite animals are both land mammal and also extinct um animals so you know we talk about quite a few things when i say favorite animals i mean it more in the sense of animals we think are really cool and have something really interesting to say about them so notable animals will probably be more appropriate Now at the start of the podcast we discuss um, Wayne's faith a little bit because um, he's a paleontologist and he believes in a deity so we kind of talk about that as well as sort of general morality surrounding religion but then after that we get into the afterlife and consciousness a little bit as well as forcing um, your beliefs onto people Uh, and then the last, the the rest of the podcast from about half onwards um, is basically about the animals and things so if anyone's interested really in animals and that sort of thing then this will be one of the podcasts for you that just about wraps up for the intro and before we get started there'll be a promo by the rag bag podcast by a gentleman called frank burton who has the same last name as i do um and then we get straight onto the show so thanks as always for tuning in guys and after the talk i'll be back at the end
1: as usual rag bag is a fortnightly music podcast presented by me frank burton i play stuff like this
0: I mean, is this eclectic enough for you yet? What more do you want?
1: I also tell strange stories and engage in some quality listener interaction. Although it has to be said, most of my listeners are not the greatest calibre of person. I'm only being honest. I'm just hoping someone intelligent is actually listening to this promo. Please, help me out here, guys. Download Ragbag from Soundcloud, iTunes or Stitcher with more information at frankburton.co.uk.
0: Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton.
1: I think um, I'm just a quick throwback again to what I said before about the moral thing. I just thought something else I want to add. Yeah, yeah. is also the um, at risk of opening a whole other kettle of fish. So I just want to just say it and be done with it. (laughs) Um, But the the idea that some people view it is that you can't be moral unless you have religion,
2: Mm.
1: and the idea that like I'm I'm an atheist, and does that then mean that I'm immoral? Like I mean, what what's to stop me from raping and murdering and pillaging all I would like but I do and the amount I would like to do that is zero because <laughs> it's wrong yeah. yeah
0: like and that's a very interesting thing because um I'm not sure if you mentioned it in the podcast before but obviously when you are a religious individual which is and obviously you're a paleontologist which is quite unique but it means it's that open-mindedness of which what I'm growing into as I get older which is you believe that there is a deity there is a god and that's fine I'm more in the mindset of a universal consciousness of everything living has a connection how far that connection is you know I haven't thought I haven't figured out in, in my own mind yet because obviously we spoke earlier about the sort of mother nature and I believe there is that balance and there is that uh, balance is the best word for it of all of nature and maybe there's that tiniest that thing in your gene that drives you to do it maybe there is an interconnected subconsciousness that that forces the balance Mm. maybe i don't know i don't think maybe humans will never know but the idea of you know you're a religious individual so obviously i imagine you don't but do you believe that people who are uh atheists or agnostic are any less moral or what are your sort of no i don't at at
2: the end of the day it's it's the human condition if you you know in your mind what's right and what's wrong you know you don't have to be religious to have a voice in the back of your head saying you shouldn't be doing this Mm. you know if something doesn't feel right if something puts you off or, you know, you know, we have the law. The mm. law isn't religious in any way. But mm. it says this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. You break the law and you will be punished for it. You know,
1: there, there's nothing religiously undertoning about that. I mean, it should be. But then, you know, we, we see how far the separation between church and state goes in America. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, I mean, like I say, religion has become a doctrine unto itself. You know, it's become almost a law unto itself. And it's all about self-righteous persecution of everyone beneath it, which is, again you know this elitist attitude like you know i I don't mean to to scorn or anything but when people call me religious i'd like to be just i'm not religious i I just have a faith i
0: apologize then i won't call you i meant i what you have a faith then i'll use that in the future then i'll uh it's okay i obviously i know everything i say is going to be perfectly acceptable for everyone but that's fine you know it's i have a friend dom who you know i don't necessarily think he likes being the problem is also is even when i call myself an atheist that mm. there's a pre uh what's the word um preconception preconception about, that was word. exactly about how you that. act yeah because yeah. then yeah. people yeah. think that i meanly hate religious people and that i don't believe in anything mm. and it's not some atheists are like that and that's 100 percent fine and obviously if i say that you have religious you're religious then obviously that does come with a brush of oh he believes in all the doctrine he believes this he and so yeah i, I completely will take that to heart and like you have a faith That's fine. My mate Dom, he's the same. He believes there is a God. He believes there is a heaven and a hell. He likes some of the religious texts because he believes that some of them do give some stories. But he's not. He's, like yourself, which is like, no, he does believe. He's got modern values because it's morality above religion because religion isn't morality. It has, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of use of religion uh, with the moral guidelines years and years and years ago where we didn't have such a power such a we didn't have a governing body in the same way mm. we didn't have laws as you say to tell if you murder someone you'll get punished it wasn't so easy there was obviously in Roman times things like that, there was a, a degree of that but the policing of the world wasn't so well, ubiquitous essentially it wasn't so in the western world it wasn't as it was easier to get away with stuff so you did need a thing of I've used this example before but when you have children when they're really young they don't understand right or wrong the way you teach them is by punishment and reward because they're too young to comprehend what actually could be doing a good thing is it's like when you train a dog or anything like that anything that hasn't fully developed in the right amount of consciousness yet the way you understand is positive and negative reinforcement and that's what we needed back hundreds of years ago maybe thousands you know of we needed a religion to say don't kill people because you'll then be suffering forever and because people may not understood fully of you shouldn't do bad things to be bad because it's a bad thing to do we needed that and as we've gone we've grown more and i think that the culture and the uh a lot of the lessons learned from religion is very important and i believe that you know we the community aspect of it is very important as well but it's when people start to become tribal with it which is where the issues lie obviously a lot of it in the middle east and those sort of conflicts and things like that and a lot of the religious extremism it's it comes from you thinking that your own opinion on something because that's all belief is faith religion any of it it's an opinion yeah it's just none of us know and what i've said before is the one thing everyone knows for a fact is we have at least one life that's the only thing everyone knows we have at least one and that's this one there might have, we might have had many before there might be reincarnation there might be heaven there might be hell there could be all manner of things it could be my thing is i uh, maybe your consciousness becomes one with universe and it you live a completely different existence because you have the same senses in the same way you can't have sight and hearing and taste you live on as some other consciousness maybe I don't know because no one knows because if you do if that does happen you go through that transition you're not the one you were you've become something else completely so how would you none of us really remember maybe the odd screenshot moment but before you were like five some people say they remember certain bits but no one remembers what you like when you're five compared to what you like now you know because you just you didn't remember you didn't do that so maybe in previous incarnations of this version of consciousness we didn't or maybe there isn't maybe that's because when you die you die that's the end of it you're underground and that's okay it's one of those things that people like to use their own agendas to forward things and it's upsetting to me especially when you see homosexuality and abortion and euthanasia it always becomes this left and right issue because a lot of the time the right is associated with religion and the left is associated obviously with that more hippie liberalism free love thing and it's just like can we just not agree people should be able to do what they want to you know but that's my r- rant <laughs>
2: about, yeah, I mean, about that you know like i say religion comes with a lot of doctrine we we had a guy down in pompey right he, he used to wear a billboard and he literally just used to quote freaking hellfire and brimstone literally condemn people i walked past him being a christian myself and he said do you realize you're going to hell and i was like um no because i'm a christian he was like oh Well, you can carry on then. And then kept scorning people. I walked back to him and I said, you are a disgrace to what we are trying to, you know, support. Mm. I said, you know, Albert Einstein said himself that science without religion is blind and religion without science is false. So it's like Mm. religion is a primitive form of science. It's a way of understanding the things around us. It is now, if I may use the term, evolved into science hmm, that's an interesting so point. it's like you just have to be accepting of one doctrine evolving into another you know the thing about tradition yes you can keep it from a cultural background I completely agree with that but if you then refuse to accept that times are changing just from an evolutionary perspective you will become extinct Mm. it's like just by nature itself your doctrine your ideology everything about you is going to become extinct because you'll just be forgotten Mm. so it's like you either move you either adapt or you're not going to at all so you have to stop living in this religious self-righteousness you know saying oh my doctrine is the one doctrine you know there's like there's so many people in in religious faith even even in you know our own church which stand up and they say oh, there will be a day when all people will get up and and they'll they'll deny their false gods and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, what right do you have to say that our God is the true one? You mm. have no right whatsoever. So, you know, I, I used to be of that mindset. I, I used to be like, right, I'm not going to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses because you're completely deluded. Mm. Even though it's exactly from the same text, just a little bit of that text. You know, I, I watched a history program, Forbidden History, and I'm like afterwards it's like um do you realize that the bible that christians have is only half full and i'm like what and i'm like the vatican have the other 18 books i'm like you freaking what there's so much we don't know Mm. and it's like all this stuff about you know jesus having a relationship with mary magdalene all this kind of stuff for the da vinci code it's like why would that take anything away from your faith if you knew it Mm. if the vatican have these 18 books to the bible why are they not showing them Mm. possibly because it denounces the entire faith I don't know, but it's up for debate. If you have a moral conviction, and and like I say, this is why I don't like being associated with the the term religion. Not not to scorn you. Obviously. No, that's but fine. I mean, no, a lot of respect.
0: I, no, I want you to say. I want you to be honest. It's the whole thing here. Like I'm not even when I you know I don't want to identify people as thing. I'm, yeah. I want people to tell me what they are, almost a like transgender people. If you're if I call you a guy, you're actually a girl. Tell me once. I'll try to remember. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So it's fine. I don't take offence. Yeah, that's good.
2: Um, so it's it's like. You know, I don't like being associated with the the religious doctrine, because it's like, you have to be closed-minded, you have to think in a certain way, and it's like, you have to associate with a certain amount of people. You can't accept the fact that they're, you know, that, that heaven, if I may use the term, is populated by all the gods you yeah. have no idea that you might get up there and you might you know be playing table tennis with Ganesh I mean how yeah. awesome would that be that would you know be freaking cool. eight arms going at one time <laughs> you'd just be like oh my god this is amazing but
1: you oh are, my god you just had to accept at that point you are going to lose yeah, yeah. and you say oh my god and they go what <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's eight arms and a prehensile trunk Exactly. Yeah, that's that's like, another, yeah, another battle. Basically nine arms.
0: So what we've confirmed is that Ganesh would be the greatest table tennis player ever. That's
1: yeah, what we've, yeah, all, we've, all to, we've all come to that conclusion. That's so the one true faith. One, <laughs> Hinduism at one point, everyone else zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, right,
2: so, you know, everyone is, is allowed to believe their own their own faith or lack of faith. That's fine. It only becomes a problem, like I say, when... you you're trying to force that belief onto someone else. That's, that's when I disagree with it because, you know, Mm. it's like evangelism and, and street preaching. You know, you look at how much damage that it did to the native tribes in America because of the Puritans and the Quakers, all these different kinds of things, you know, they were thought to be, you know, Demonic, because mm-hmm. of the way that they worshipped or the, their culture, and it's like we've we've used religion as such a pretext for the most heinous crimes. You look to the Spanish Inquisition, you look to um, the Crusades, all these different things that have been under the banner of morality and and you know the Christian dogma, mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of people still like to associate themselves with that, but don't remember it as such.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. So it's
2: like... So they, they forget about it when it's convenient to them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, it's it. like, they'll they use a dogma to support their argument, and then when you conflict them on that, oh, that part isn't in the Bible, but you literally just quoted it. Oh yeah, but you've taken it out of context. Well, how do you know? Because the whole thing is open to...
0: Interpretation. interpretation. Well, it's like um, when I was talking... Because my buddy Dom, um, we had a, an hour-long discussion about um, just his religious views and mine, sort of. And one of the things, key things he said is, he said, you know, I identify as a Christian, but I don't follow the Bible because the Bible... Because even if you believe that, say, even argument's sake, the Christian God is the one God. He is perfect. Let's argue. All oh, that's true, okay? But he didn't write the book. Mm. He, at the very most is he um helped a man write the book or helped men write the book you know that sort of thing whereas the tra- even if you say even if in the first instance it was, tra- it was written down perfectly arguments sake, like the word of God the amount of translations the alterations that the you know the Vatican and anyone else who's been in power over the, mm. the, the thousands of years that it has been out all the sort of changes they've made to it and things like that it's like they tweak things about it they changed I think it was the word I think it was about ass or something. This is years ago. They they changed it. So when they when they do that, it's like, well, what else have they changed? Mm. Well, and as you say, with the, all the other parts of the books and things like that. And there's the ancient sea scrolls, which yeah. is they they were found. Apparently, they're part of. Um, they're written even some of them predate some of the Bible things. Mm. So it's just like so. And there's that whole gap of between Jesus's life of there's like a I think it's like a twelve year gap or something when he was young, he was like a kid, and then suddenly he's thirty. Yeah. And it's like, well. Then even in that argument, even if you did say, yep, Christian God's the one, it is perfect, everything's fine. But humans have had way too much interchanging with it and changing the doctrine, which is why you can't have too much faith in the doctrine.
2: Exactly.
1: Hmm. I yeah, think... It- um, sorry, you go on. That's right, you carry on. I think that this is the easiest way to talk about this is just say that like, amongst the three of us here, um, religion is a personal thing. Hmm. Just keep it personal yeah Yeah. like it is what it is to you don't try and push that on other people whether it's your religion or lack thereof just yeah why does it matter it's a good example like
0: the three of us as we've been um talking for this um obviously you two are we're all quite science driven people even though obviously you two are a bit uh, more knowledgeable about these sorts of things but you're science driven but you know i'd say you know with yourself having faith i'm more of a more in the hippie sense of a sp- I'm not saying I'm a spiritualist or anything but my ideas and what I'm going for it is more of a hippie universal consciousness everyone sort of thing and then Josh has the more of the standard atheist thing which is completely they're all fine we can all have these because at the end of the day that one opinion doesn't actually really change anything you're still a paleontologist you're
1: still a marine biologist I'm still just a forecaster <laughs> I'd, al- I'd also um, make the point that I would consider me being atheist as my personal viewpoint In terms of being scientific, I would say that the scientific uh, position should be agnosticism, Mm. because the very point is about uh, evidence. Is uh, science and evidence based stuff is that you you don't prove something, you disprove it. Mm. And lack of evidence, as a phrase that I very much like to say, is lack of evidence is not evidence of lacking. Yeah, so because there is no evidence doesn't mean it's disproven it just means we've had no evidence either way exactly and that, so i take it as my personal viewpoint that there is no overarching deity or gold or anything like that or hmm. mixture of thereof um but to say that that's from science is, is is not what i take it as yeah and that's a real good way you know and you're honest about it and that that's a good thing to have i mean it's fossils are the big one
0: obviously being a paleontologist makes it even more handy with the fossils there aren't just because there isn't a fossil of something doesn't mean it didn't exist mm. because we don't have evidence of it it just means we haven't found that yet yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the whole idea of it um, so yeah I, I agree with you completely with, with that point Josh mm. that that idea of the evidence thing is great and you know it's your faith shouldn't and with obviously with us here it doesn't affect our pursuits in anything it's just a mild it's almost just when you're by yourself, you're having those thoughts. Whether you need something, uh, some people like to uh, have religion um, or faith as a just almost a meditative thing. Just when you're by yourself, you it, it's comforting to think. To if you're praying to a deity, that can be comforting, you know. It's it's all these sorts of things. It is your own. It's almost religion and faith. You can have these open discussions and talks about your opinions on stuff. But almost like music, you can talk about music all day long. At the end of the day, the main thing about music is. Excluding obviously listening to music in group areas, when you're by yourself in your car driving, if you like, if I like, for example, really, really, really heavy metal, I can listen to that. If no one else likes it, so it's not. Yeah. It's not about them. It's mm-hmm. about me. When I'm by myself, I want to listen to music. When I'm by myself, I do or do not want to pray to a god. When I'm by myself, I do or do not believe trees have consciousness. With everything else, the, you know, it's all down to just your own personal thing. So, and I, I think that's a real good way to sort of this a part of this conversation of the morality, the euthanasia, all that sort of stuff. I think that's wrapped up very nicely.
1: Um, so if you guys have something... One- the, one, the one thing that I will say that really frustrates me, it's not even people that are very outwardly religious and trying to even push That annoys me, but it doesn't actively frustrate me, um, is I don't believe that you're one of these people um, for obvious reasons. But when someone uses their faith and their religion as a like re- by to as a form of removing their personal responsibility mm. uh, basically saying oh it's all like oh there's the plan or some other phrase that they use to remove agency from themselves mm. yeah. They uh, do not have I was like, it's not my problem not my problem it's not it's anything that i have control over so it is all to do with the things going on in the background and dissociating it. But, from it yeah mm. yeah i think that is it frustrates me but mainly purely because it's such a dangerous viewpoint to have Mm. yeah I I 100%
0: agree with you there yeah Um, I think with this, then, I'll uh, loop it back around and we'll uh, go on to the, the thing that the initial reason this podcast was organised. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's been a very, very rich conversation. I think it's great. But, you know, with all these sorts of conversations, one of my almost jobs as a podcast host, in a sense, is at certain points, I kind of call it. Um, it's almost like a junction at a conversation, because from this point, we could then we could go say left and we could then talk about f- moral philosophy we could go straight on go even deeper into religion or we could take another turning and go somewhere else and i think so at this moment where it's kind of that that momentary pause between subjects i think i'll loop it back around to the thing i organised the podcast for animals <laughs> i choose to go the wrong way around the roundabout <laughs> <laughs> just crashing like fuck you guys um okay well i was gonna say so Obviously, with yourself um, being essentially a marine biologist and yourself being a paleontologist and me going to quite a few zoos, uh, <laughs> we uh, we have um, – I'm joking about myself, but obviously things about animals. So um, I thought it would be quite cool for us to discuss um, – i think the idea was a marine animal that's alive a land animal that's alive and then an extinct animal that's alive it's like a general if we'd have to stick to these lines it's not that important but that's like a nice sort of general talking point of things so um let's uh for wayne then what what you can choose out of the three which one would you like us to start on and you can tell us yours then whichever of the three subjects
2: for marine i'd I'd probably go sort of like deep sea like viper fish Got them what's um what's a viper fish there. I'm
0: gonna look it up quickly, but uh It's
2: basically you know, a deep sea sort of I, I class it in in similar to Angler, but it's got like bioluminescence it uses um Oh Jesus, that thing is natu- terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my god. It's um it's got natural bioluminescence that it uses to um attract prey. Um I think it has bioluminescence in, in its bottom jaw as well as along its flanks. Um, God, it's like a giant barracuda anglerfish thing. Uh, it's yeah, like extendable jaws as well. Yeah, because like, you like,
0: know about this because you're a marine biologist. Well. I've I didn't know about this. Wow. So Yeah. Yeah. I'd recommend people look that up. So <laughs> it's
2: um yeah, it's definitely one of the sort of freaks of nature sort of thing. But it's it's just it's just amazing what you know in in such an unexplored environment what evolution can just say. Do you know what? Let's just let's just put a bear trap on a fish and see how it looks and it's just like it's amazing yeah i'm
1: pretty sure like it's stereotypically from the pictures that you see when you search i'm sure that the one you have there has huge eyes and the mother of all underbites well that's the picture i was gonna and that's the picture i've got Um, i did
0: i did look on google and i just saw there's loads there um so you can take that what i was gonna do is I was planning on just making little notes of what we put, and then I was probably just going to um, some of these because some of the animals that probably I'm going to say because I don't know much exciting anim- many exciting animals. Mine people all going to know of, but I know there's a couple of animals because we briefly touched on this before.
1: Yeah, I was obviously no one
0: can see this but. yeah well what, what I was thinking what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um, oh wow um, I'm probably going to save um, a couple of these um, these photos put it as like a um,
1: link a, to the description below
0: <laughs> to a degree but on on Instagram just so people know for the yeah. podcast in the future, I always post I try and post vaguely relevant pictures for certain things I post on Instagram um, so for this one some of the animals we mentioned, so I'm going to note them down, save some pictures of it, and then if people view this on Instagram, you can see some of the pictures of some of the animals and stuff, or you can just Google it. But so the viperfish, so what else apart from the. So it's got a luminescence, it's got a
2: terrifying bite. I assume it's one of the, the top predators of the deep. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. There's not anything that I know of that predates it, but. Well, they're
1: not particularly big as far as I'm aware. No, no, a, lo- lo- a lot of stuff that gets the down way. there isn't actually particularly big. No.
0: I imagine it's because of the scarcity of uh, the food. Food sense. resources.
1: There's, there's, there's right. not like central hub in the same there's, way. There's two like polar sides to it. It happens with the deep sea. It happens with uh, the poles as well. Mm. You either things are either small or they're absolutely fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have a metabolism that's slowed down so much that they can live for a ridiculously long time, get ridiculously big, even with the scarce food resources. Is that polar bears? Is that one of the examples? No. Like
2: what? the megamouth shark.
1: Uh, I think so from the deep um, oh. it, po- polar bears just are big because they have that blubber and stuff it's not like they're still mammals they, 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 oh, they so don't have that like- slow metabolisms and everything they haven't got slowed down this is like things like the Greenland shark that sees so such scarcity of food and things that its metabolism slowed down to the point where it gets to a normal size of a shark or maybe even a little bit bigger and not like as big as they find, like a great white but yeah. it gets to a respectable shark size but it can live for like three, four hundred years. Oh, wow, okay. Because its metabolism is so slow that it just doesn't go through that process.
0: Interesting. Oh, okay. That's something new every day. That's for the point of this podcast. So yours are the Viperfish. Go on then, Josh, what's your uh, marine animal then? Uh,
1: if, if you need some time, then I ask can. Ask me one on something else. <laughs> well,
0: I'll, I'll say no, um, I can say mine if you want to give you a little bit of time to think.
1: Uh, did I say something? No, I said my land one earlier. I can't remember why I said it on my sea one. That's fine. No, go for it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, mine, mine would probably just be, it's kind of boring, but either an orca or a dolphin, um, which yeah. just because of, they're so, that's kind of everyone's almost baseline simple, you know, uh, actually no, yes, no, I'm going to put that, I'm going to side side note, octopodes they're, octopodes, they're so amazing, which is basically yes. the correct plural for octopi, yes, which is what Josh was talking about.
1: For context, octopodes is the plural for octopus. Uh, because octopus is of Greek origin not Latin so going to octopi which would be the normal Latin way of changing it is wrong there we go so there you go guys is not octopi I remember
0: that I, it's, it's tempting because like Obviously, dolphins and orcas—they're both uh, they're the same
1: family, aren't they? Of uh, all sorts of uh, Yes, do- so dolphins were, or orcas. Yes, are more in the dolphin side, but uh, in wider contents, wider context, they're cetaceans. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, with that regard, and they're they're both such
0: unbelievable so Im- unbelievably intelligent. And I mm-hmm. know that whales and dolphins both have not only their own dialect, which we can't understand, but they have accents. And that if you get dolphins or whales from different areas across the, the globe, they speak in the same general way, but not the, exactly the same. And it's very interesting because England or America are both very good examples of that. I think England almost a little bit more because in Scotland, they still speak English. Obviously, you can't speak Scottish, but people in Scotland speak English. Compared to someone down south, the not only is the way you pronounce things, but it almost sounds like you are talking a different language,
1: but you actually are talking it, the same. So- fiddle with terminology and yeah. um, the way that it is because to say they have a different dialect to us would be wrong because that would mean they speak the same language yeah yeah. they they have the the way that they communicate is essentially a language hmm. and it has been shown that they have regional differences in that language which would yeah. be called dialects yeah precisely so they, so they have different groups like what would be called a dolphin or orca pod mm-hmm. may communicate in a slightly different way to another pod it's almost like
0: tribal humans. You can even argue mm-hmm. friend groups even go down to that low level. Me and you and Reese and that like we say things to each other, which are words, which I'm sure many friend groups have that no one else. It's almost memes. Mm. So look, in another way, I know that's Inside not say jokes. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So there's also that level of things, you know, and obviously, got, dolphins. Are, I know are ones, um, one of the animals that are very intelligent that choose to make themselves intoxicated. They chew on. I think it's puffer fish. Is that one of the? Yes. Yeah, they, that makes them. It's a mild hallucinogen or something like that. It's, it's along that lines and they very like,
1: much they pretty much bite don't kill but just bite puffer fish yeah to
0: get high exactly and elephants they're um, one of the most intelligent mammals and obviously they drink i think it's fermented tree sap if mm. that's correct and they get drunk off that because they like they like to do that it's not one I've heard but I don't disbelieve it but Wayne's nodding and he's the paleontologist so it's definitely (laughs) (laughs) right but that's what I've heard you know it's those sorts of things of and humans obviously do it and obviously uh, something a lot of people know about dolphins is that they um, have sex for fun for enjoyment not just for reproduction and that's what you know humans do as well so I'd say probably I, I really love Octopodes I think that you could almost have a whole podcast about Octopodes and maybe we will return and just have like a deep sea sort of episode but I think Uh, For me, it's going to be dolphins slash orca due to their intelligence, which makes you know marine world and sea world and all that sort of stuff so unbelievably sad. (laughs) Dolphins and orcas in captivity. Like, I used to go to those places when I was younger, uh, when I was in Tenerife and stuff, and you see these dolphin shows. This is amazing! And it is. And then when you get a bit older, which I haven't been to any of those places since, I've been to zoos and stuff and a couple of aquariums, but no, like, sea world things... And the animals look so upset and so sad, and you just think of it almost just logically. Okay, they have the whole ocean to prowl, and they generally do like move around a lot. I think do they migrate quite a bit? Yeah. So obviously, migrating is hundreds, if not thousands, of miles. So compared to having an area, it's like having a human literally live in a room for their entire life. Mm. And what happens then is humans go fucking mental. Well, they're. Exactly. Cabin feet, precisely. And humans as well, we we can't do that. And dolphins and whales, for all we know, they're as intelligent as we are. They they have been shown to have incredible cognitive and problem-solving ability. They can understand commands. And also, I think it was in uh, one of the Blue Planet 2 episodes I watched that dolphins and other creatures that are different species communicate with each other. Like, I think it's certain whales and dolphins talk to each other and they actually... They can sometimes like clash a little bit, but also play. And they can also sometimes, if there's like a huge amount of fish that they're trying to sort, they can all organize themselves as separate pods of different species, communicating to hunt together. That's like mm. that's so brilliant, that's so amazing, and they're such cool animals. So I think mine's going to be that sort of vagueness of, of orca and dolphins. But um, what about yourself? Um, Have you so I,
1: yeah? I'm probably going to go with. Um... The uh, whole thing about, like, just in general, um, cephalopods, okay, so yeah. o- octopus, squid, cuttlefish. Mm, I thought you um, said cuttlefish, or something like because that, because you mentioning it reminded me, and then the other thing would be mm. whales and dolphins for other reasons as well. Mm. Um, but the whole thing just about squid and cuttlefish and all that sort of thing, their intelligence is ridiculous, mm. and also just the ability that they have with their skin for both changing the colors. Making patterns and even modifying the shape and texture of their skin for such near close to perfect camouflages is immediately is instantaneously ridiculous that ability is crazy. There's that. There's
0: a theory that I heard, which um, I saw in the news the other day, and obviously it's, this is not cemented. Obviously, this is
1: just a theory. There's gonna be that one being aliens. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. There's just that thing of people. There are. There's been. It's been kind of rumored a little bit of people thinking about, but then, there might. I don't know if it's been. Uh, there's a tiny, tiny amount of evidence now, or it's just the sci- A small. A larger amount of scientists have that more idea of consensus of, they believe it could be because they're so
1: so different anything else mm. that basically come that's on earth at the well, moment they can uh, the shape of an octopus eye or well, particularly cuttlefish eyes mm. uh means that they can, it's something to do with that means they can see polarized light so they can distinguish between planes of light mm. which is one thing um they are literally blue-blooded because mm-hmm. where for i'm sure everyone here hemoglobin, where hemoglobin mm. is in our blood it makes it red that comes from the iron that's in our blood cells is a it's a what in chemistry is called a uh, metal ion complex okay uh in uh, cephalopods, they have they have a metal ion complex a metal ion complex as well ion is in i o n not iron as yeah. in i r o n yeah um uh but with them it is with copper and that's called a hemocyanin oh, okay and it literally means they have blue blood okay that's awesome yeah
0: so and there's, what's the thing about with um, um, octopodes as well? They have uh, the donut-shaped brain, and their esophagus is between that?
1: Oh, yes. Their brain is shaped like a donut. It's like a ring, and their gullet esophagus goes through their brain. Yeah. And that means that the way they eat with their beak, um, as pretty much every mollusk does, because they are mollusks, they're somewhat closely related to snails and slugs and mm. all that sort of thing, and clams and all that sort of stuff. Um, they have something called a radula which is like a super, super exaggerated version of a cat's tongue where the cat has the rough tongue. Yeah. It's like that, but it's like a tongue that's coated in tiny teeth. Yeah. So they bite off a chunk of food and then just scrape it and it takes all the particles, like, takes it off, like, particularly. Yeah. So it's like little, little tiny chunks that they can travel through. Because if it ate something that was too big, then it would ba- literally rupture his brain, his <laughs> They have... <laughs> best
0: feel of my life. <laughs> they
1: have three hearts. They have one main heart and two branchial hearts that help with circulation because of all the limbs. Yeah. Uh, their limbs essentially have their own nervous systems to the point where they can act independently. I've heard about and that, And yeah. the octopus in particular, one of their arms is literally their penis. Mm-hmm. It, like they just have the big, the big dick on the end. <laughs> and it's funny because they're like they're worried about you know they're, they're quite tense to about things they'll be like keeping their distance and quite tentatively like do the reach around to like give, <laughs> give the female the sperm the sperm like pouch yeah it's like <laughs> just, there you go
0: <laughs> that's amazing
1: I say no one has referenced like the hand motions that I'm doing right now No. Nope. nor you may know that, that suggestion alone might make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> just the reach around and Josh quietly making noise and us giggling yeah <laughs> Um, But then the dedication that they have to their young as well, um, an an octopus, a female octopus, after it is a... It will take multiple uh, male's sperm Mm. and use it to uh, fertilize a load of eggs so they're getting more than one male parent. Mm. Um, And then it will lay loads of eggs. It will not eat for the entire time that those eggs are developing. It will sit there protecting them. And once they hatch, and they hatch as the little, tiny little... They're adorable. ...mini things. um, They're tiny plankton. um, So, so tiny. Uh, and after that, the octopus mother is basically like, yeah, I've done my job and will die. Wow, yeah. That is a... They are incredibly dedicated parents, pretty much. Yeah. Up until the point where the eggs hatch.
0: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's amazing. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good, nice round for for uh, marine animals, then. Did you uh, want to continue on to the next one, Wayne, of uh, either land or extinct?
2: Um, I think for land, it would have to be like the anaconda okay I just love like big snakes um, it's just, just would you
1: boop that snoot <laughs> I don't understand the
0: reference oh, um, you have seen boop Snoots? snoot oh, oh, they're no. adorable have you seen they're basically it's a cute name it's, uh, cute names for uh, for with uh, snail uh, snakes they're like their, t- their nose is their snoot See, boop, and Have you seen the, the Instagram of uh, snakes of hats?
2: Oh yeah. That sort of
0: thing where they've got a lot of it and it's like boop the snoot and it's like a little
1: cute tiny little like a uh, python.
2: Oh they're adorable.
0: Sorry. So the
1: question here is how do you measure a snake? What do you mean? How do you measure a snake? I don't know. In inches because they don't have any feet oh for fuck's sake that was a terrible
0: that was like a dad yeah. joke <laughs> yeah. oh Christ he made Wayne regret oh, no, choosing dude. a snake now is there some, anything um, oh anacondas is there some sort of uh, how far back do they go do you know like have they been their current sort of form if you don't I know that you're well, being to going, going
2: into going into the extinct actually um, but I can always use a plethora of others um there was uh, a snake, and this is going to make a lot of people that are scared of snakes very, very afraid. Mm-hmm. There was an 80-foot boa constrictor called Titanoboa. His vertebrae is literally like this. It's like it's the about, size of a small melon. Or a human thigh sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and that's the size of one of
2: its that's, backbones. That's one of its backbones. And literally, if it was around today, it'd be hunting elephants, you know, just to sustain itself. But, wow, you know, it's just the sheer colossal size of that kind of serpent to scale down to the anaconda and it's like the the crushing force that they have i think it's i think it's only just shy of the crushing force that t-rex had which is enough to crush you a, know, car, a car things like that so wow so that is mad that kind of force being exerted around its prey that, you know they've obviously been been found with small children inside them so literally they have no limit wow to their strength
0: that is crazy anacondas man yeah they're i do like i think snakes are awesome i've always i've never really been scared of snakes or, or spiders things like that. i mean i've held tarantulas and stuff before um i don't hugely like it when there's like a giant house spider in my house but no. I, I mean in this house there are quite a few spiders because i'd I never kill them because they kill flies and on the odd occasion we get flies in there but we don't seem to get that many um which and we leave all the windows open like we did last night but um just so hot uh oh, that's cool well um I was gonna say that I'll go on to my, my favourite land creature. Um I have I mean a lot of people I've this is side like tangent. I've asked people on Tinder when I can't think of anything to say of what their favourite animals are, and the amount of people say dogs, it's like everyone loves dogs. That's a cop out <laughs> answer. Everyone you can't say dogs or cats. That's such a cop out. I'm sorry to anyone that likes dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. We I think dogs probably all right. Right. I mean you your family you've got dogs, you know, yeah. I I think dogs are amazing, obviously. But he's great by him. <laughs> but um, I, I'm trying to think because like I, pandas were one of my favorites for a long while because uh, can we just let them die already? Well, that's the thing that's so funny about them. They they look like big cuddly creatures, but they're actually like we're literally saving them from extinction. Even though it's almost like they don't want to be saved. No, they they just they
1: they don't like to reproduce.
0: It <laughs> doesn't happen. Yeah, like, can't be asked. We
1: provide them everything they could possibly want to be able to think. Actually. I'm going to procreate with this other panda of the opposite sex but I'm not going to unless eat he- for like three years <laughs> maybe they're anti and then we'll try <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're anti-naval the and it'll be at the wrong time and they'll be like yeah, nope no nope. no nope. they're, like, they're like they are literally if you could fail at trying to reproduce and it's not because you know infertility or anything sort of thing Pandas are literally taking the gold medal. <laughs> well, they also they're eating habits. They eat bamboo, and that's
0: like one of the least nutritious things to eat, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's have everything they could it's have grass. Eaten. It's a grass. Yeah. So, and it's like they're not necessarily like grazing animals, like you know, deer and the cows things. Well, cows, well, mm-hmm. cows do, but like deer are a good example of all deer or antelope. Those sort of things do is they're either eating or running away from things. That's basically and obviously sleeping. And then they've got the rut, which is that short period of time where they procreate because. They obviously, because they have to graze so much to eat so much grass and always be escaping predators, they can't necessarily have that thing where they can have sex all the time because they get
1: killed a lot more often, I imagine. Red pandas are great though. Oh, the tree climbers and the red pandas are fine. They're like raccoons more. Like, well, pandas are more closely related to raccoons. than even the giant panda is—it looks bear-like, but it's not closely related. It's more closely related to the red panda than it is to a natural bear. So you're telling me that pandas are closer to
0: raccoons than bears?
1: Yes. That's
0: amazing. What 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 species is that? Like, what's the name? Because I know it's not marsupial, because i kangaroo. And what one want.
1: And, uh, they no, just. Wallabies. They're just. Now, they're, they're not. I don't know what, specifically what group they'd be under. There's,
0: there's a weird one, not there? Because it's like you, you've got you mammals, go but you've got like a horse. Is it, I will look up. There's like a horse, which is like an equestrian. Then mm-hmm. there's
1: bovine, which is like cows. There's yeah. feline cats, uh, obviously canine well, and dog. No- normally mammals overall get broken into... You probably know more about this than me because it's paleontology, paleontology background. But there are two groups, which are the feline side and the canine side. And it's literally just those two groups. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and then there's obviously as more than that, I mean, and then no, like, it's, it's literally those two, and then it gets broken down further. Yeah, that's so what I
0: mean. Like, it, oh, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. main two, and then there's sub to, sub ones yes, within that. because yeah, yeah. obviously, then you go into you can go really
1: deep, like you can go to rodents and things like that as well. Mm. So, there's there's so a lot. King was it kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, pardon, kingdom, phylum, class. Order. order family genus species They're slowing it down makes it more difficult <laughs> yeah. um, but it is it yeah but it's basically it's the taxonomic list of the way you go down things so kingdom is like animalia plantae archaea fungi yeah like that sort of thing wow. um and then you go phylum would be uh chordata yeah chordates so you'd have um Having you two here it's just like you have so much knowledge between you and I know fucking I haven't done in ages, like going down to that level is difficult for me and Wayne's more probably better at taxonomy stuff than I am. <laughs> You're I hope so if if he
0: has a degree in it, we'd hope so. Yeah. I've just
1: looked up um it says there the
0: pros priconidae or prosonidae, Um that's what it says here, which is includes raccoons, coaties, kinkajous, olingos, ringtails and a few others. So that's yeah. quite that's adorable. I do love raccoons; they're cute.
1: So, were you saying panda is your favorite land animal? Because you could be objectively wrong there. Um, I think it's just one of those <laughs> things where
0: it—it's just—it's. I don't. To be honest, when you say land animal, I mean to be honest, barn owls are. I think white oh, yeah. barn owls are so cool, and owls themselves—they're so amazing. Mm. Even though they're not actually as intelligent. The irony that the Greeks used to use them as a sign of wisdom, yet they're actually an incredibly stupid animal. In not not proper dum dum, but their brains are so small because their eyes are so good. They actually don't have enough space in their head for a large enough brain, mm-hmm. which is very funny. But I think yeah, owl. I love owls. They're amazing. They're such a great hunter. All sort of cool things. But yeah, most of their brain would be the
1: visual cortex as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas you know, pandas are just funny. Well, it's, it's like, it's like when we're playing D&D. Yeah. Haha, ha, name drop at home. Nerdy we are. <laughs> uh, it's the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Wisdom governs, like, perception and all that sort of thing, whereas intelligence is going to be processing information. Yeah. Like, they're very good at being aware and knowing what's going on around them, but you, can give a, you can't give it, like, a mass problem to do, like you could an octopus. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah that's a very uh... because there have been times where they've basically given mass problems to an octopus and it's done it
0: <laughs> there's there have been a lot of weird things like that like um, there was the octopus that literally constantly was escaping it's uh, one of its enclosures oh yeah and then they just keep
1: doing it that's, it oh, in Finding Dory but favourite favorite thing <laughs> there was a the time there was an octopus in a tank and it was getting really annoyed by like a flickering light apparently right and so it waited until no one was around So it's like if I do this when there's people around then I'm gonna like they're gonna fix it yeah, it's gonna be annoying yeah. so we waited and then like did something and squirted water at the light to short it out so it turned off wow that is amazing <laughs> that is awesome it's great it's like this light is bugging me so I'm gonna wait until people can't watch I just square water at it so that it like ruins it that is so good (laughs) it's great that's awesome well go on then Josh what's your uh, if you have a land animal I'm gonna go with um, following on the reptile theme from Wayne I'm gonna go with the Komodo dragon because it is very cool go on then Um, it's the biggest land like entirely land based reptile Mm -hmm. so excluding things like crocodiles and alligators because they're 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 amphibious reptiles um, not amphibians, but amphibious reptiles. Yeah. Uh, the Komodo dragon is the biggest, like solely land-based one. Uh, it actually can run surprisingly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other than that, well, one, it's only found in one place on the islands of Komodo. Yes, yeah. where it gets its name. Far cry three. And it essentially has biological weaponry. Yeah. I think we mentioned uh, earlier before the podcast about the potential that there's been discovered that it actually has some form of venom, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the main way that it will take down prey and why a single bite is so dangerous is because their teeth essentially yeah. have serrations at the back, mm-hmm. and it's actually similar to what they found actually in, uh, I think, uh, Tyrannosaur teeth, Yeah. Uh, where things like, they obviously eat mostly meat, mm-hmm. and bits of meat, like you might get stuff stuck in your teeth, get stuck back there. And then they ferment and decay and bacteria start growing. So a bite easily becomes septic and lethal. So a single bite from a Komodo dragon is often lethal either now or later. Yeah, it basically... Because it it gives it you septic, a, infected, and then the thing dies because it's...
0: It's such a clever, yeah. clever thing that uh, nature has done because obviously, you know, when you get a wound, um, there's... The ways you die from it is basically either infection or bleed out. And mm. it's basically... Well, that is basically kick-starting the infection immediately. Mm. And obviously, without... As humans we can potentially sort of do stuff to it because we've got antiseptic stuff and also like medicine but crete animals all they've got is certain animals know if they get a certain cut or something they eat a certain type of leaf or rub up against a certain bush because it's like for example dock leaves you know you mm-hmm. get you get a sting from sting ale, you are meant to rub dock leaves on there but i was actually told by a guy that if you actually grind up dock leaves and squeeze the oil from it onto there it's actually a lot better for you the oil itself mm-hmm. but like Animals know that sort of thing to a degree. You know, cats and dogs. I think eat grass because if they eat loads of it, it'll make them throw up. Mm. So if they have a bit of a t- bad stomach, they'll eat loads of grass to make them sort of puke it up. That's that's clever. That's a similar thing. So mm. obviously, with that, the whole infected getting infected. There's nothing the, the, in nature. The way, can- the, way the way
1: infection it. works is that, uh, as far as I'm aware, essentially what happens, it's not that the infection kills you. Mm. It's the fact that a lot of the things that the bacteria that are growing there produce mm. ends up in septicemia. Yeah. So your blood your blood becomes toxic to you basically which mm. then starts breaking down all sorts of things and stopping all your fundamental processes from working. Yeah. So it basically just completely messes with your body's biochemistry mm. and stops it working properly which then kills you. Yeah. So it's not like the bacteria kill you it's like the things the bacteria produce end up stopping you from working properly. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. I mean the same thing with viruses and bacteria and everything. They don't like they don't infect you and go out of their way to kill you. Mm. It's like Killing you is a byproduct, and especially for things like viruses, it's actually detrimental to them, yeah. because viruses in particular need living cells mm-hmm. to inject their own DNA into to then be able to produce more viruses. Okay, yeah. So if a virus is killing you, it's not doing very good at its job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay, well... Um oh sorry Christ Um, the last thing then um, because we're getting near the two hour mark so it's going to be a nice time to wrap up Um, because I know the least amount and you two know the most about things I'll start with the extinct one because I want Wayne I think I want Wayne to finish this one off
1: (laughs) (laughs) basically I think
0: I want Wayne to finish this off I think because I think he'll probably have the most interesting uh, one most likely but I I I'm surprised you didn't choose tardigrade though for one of your animals. They're not extinct. No, but I meant because we've done land and water. I suppose well, they're Well, they're not,
1: they're not. No, you said marine. They're not marine. True. They're like this weird. They like live you, in moss and stuff. They're tiny. Yeah. They're great. We can talk
0: about them a lot of time. Well, we'll do another, We'll do more podcasts about animals. Why not? Um, I think with extinct animals, um, because I barely know any. Because well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, I mean, we've we've spoken about like one of the ones we've uh, actually. I won't say it in case you guys say it. So I'm going to say. I'm just gonna go for the st- standard, simple, boring Triceratops. I've always just thought, obviously, dinosaurs are a nice, easy one to like, but I just always like Triceratops. I think they're always cool because they're they're generally um, they're uh, herbivores, from what we could tell. I think because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you for fact checking. Herbivore hey? slash Yeah. So, um, but I know that, that they were quite good at. Fruit. Oh, okay. So I know they were quite good at um, defending themselves against a lot of the big predators, from what I'm. I vaguely know (laughs) they were like one of the they weren't necessarily the bitch of the dinosaur kingdom it was like you get certain herbivores like I know that I think it's Brontosaurus, they've got the long neck ones. They um, can be. Brontosaurus is not actually a thing. No. Nope. There we go. Never existed. <laughs> <too laughs> Has any of them been the ones with the really long necks? Oh yeah, like brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus, yeah. maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. But so it basically, just say sauropods, It encompasses all. Yeah. of them. Yeah. The ones with the really long necks are basically almost the giraffes of the uh, dinosaur world. Those ones, like. Even though they would probably kill me quite easily. Obviously, if something like a, a team of raptors or um, a T. rex or anything went against them, there's basically no chance. Whereas I think with the, uh, with the Triceratops against some of the smaller ones, it had a bit more of a defense mechanism. So I like to
1: think of them as they're the herbivores, but they're kind of the cool ones. They needed the defense mechanism because they're not big enough. Yeah, they're that's quite the stocky as well. They've got the, yeah. the front hair, that ramming things, isn't they? So which was particularly to protect their neck because it's a bony thing, it's a bony structure that protects their neck from things just biting down to the neck.
0: Yeah, and I also think Velociraptor's is one of the ones that had the big hook sort of thing. Uh, no, they didn't. Velociraptor was like the size of a turkey. we
1: yeah. uh, well, not what, what, yeah, what, was, you know, deinonychus. that's okay.
0: one. There that's one that I can't pronounce. <laughs> deinonychus. Well, that is that the one which is they're the feathered one. They're about. They're quite tall and they've got the big ass.
2: They're the ones that Jurassic Park's Velociraptor is modelled after. Of.
0: I see. Because with so um, them feathers because I remember seeing a documentary it might have been walking with dinosaurs or something it was one of the ones where they talk about dinosaurs and stuff like that and then they try and recreate parts of it it might
2: have been the truth about killer dinosaurs
0: might be because I remember seeing where they were trying to figure out basically what the giant sorry it's got billardy in it? It might be. I, I've seen this so many years ago. The only thing I remember from it was they were trying to figure out the basically the big claw thing on the foot of one of them and they were trying to figure out what it could have been used for and they were like, obviously the first idea is ripping and a clawing thing ripping and they got a big slab of pork yeah. and they stabbed it and tried to put it down and it wouldn't rip. So, okay, but it stabs but it doesn't tear. Mm. So what could that be for? Well, the neck, if it gets in the... Um, get a proper like, jugular vein. Jugular, that was the yeah. word. And you get into that and then bleed out and that's yeah. that's how they would do it so they so much blood loss and exactly and they get like you, you know you get like Footality. a <laughs> you get like a team of these like, or, like a, <laughs> what, what would a term for, be for a group of like, raptors or something along those lines I
2: don't know i say a pack pack, of pack yeah, yeah.
0: so it's like a pack of them obviously yeah. they
1: you know hunt an animal all they need is a couple of them just to get near the neck and bam and it's just and you have, like, a group of maybe, like, six to eight of them or something, and they take down one triceratops, and that would be enough to feed them all for, like, probably more than a week. Oh, yeah, easy. Because reptiles, one of the biggest things about reptiles is their metabolism is where well, they don't, unlike mammals, they don't have to regulate their own body heat, which takes mm. up a huge amount of energy. Yeah. Um. So they don't have to as much metabolism, which is why you can go, like, a snake can go months without food because it doesn't need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. What are the benefits of, um, of interest in a paleological uh, side of your biological? Uh,
1: what, what is the benefit of um, someone being warm-blooded compared to cold blood? Uh, it means you can you be able to regulate your own body heat means that you have much greater control over um, your own internal bodily processes. Like enzymes, all that sort of thing, work best at certain temperatures. Right. If your body is self-regulating at that temperature, then it can be doing those processes much more efficiently all the time. Um, it also means that you're not dictated to by the weather and how warm it is uh, how active and uh, proactive you can be. Oh, okay. Very interesting. But in terms of efficiency, overall, it's quite low because, you know, well, reptiles are pretty much solar powered.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I-, I found that out a few years ago. It was madness. Um, well, go on then, Josh. What is, uh, what's your favourite extinct? Uh?
1: Um, it's not a favourite, but more so like a... Kind Noteworthy. Of like a- uh, almost like a guilty pleasure of almost where it. it's like it's absolutely disgusting and vile, but it's great. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pick something called Mesothele. Right, okay. Uh, spelled M E S O T H E L A E. Something along those lines. Yep. Yep. Um, and it is something a pre- pretense. Back in the day. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the atmosphere before essentially what was I think known as some massive great fire while uh, the, well, the concentration of oxygen in the atmosphere was much much greater like 50% or upwards mm. and it meant things in general could be much much bigger yeah and so Misethyle is a spider or if not a spider at least an arachnid mm. and is big enough that if it were alive today it would probably be hunting things the size of domestic cats did you mention this in the podcast uh, Paleontology?
0: That's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's great that you both uh, mentioned that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's um, obviously people should go and yeah. listen to that Paleontology. If you're liking this p- conversation so far, go check out the Paleontology podcast. Not,
1: not with a walking with dinosaurs thing, but I definitely saw it at one point on some sort of documentary. Like they're just artist impression a bit, sort of thing for the animations and stuff. Yeah. It looks absolutely vile. It looks quite like hated. a camel spider, doesn't it? Yes. I, just, I just Googled it briefly, and the, the front fangs of it are. Pretty huge. It is terrifying. Yeah, and I'm so glad it doesn't exist now. I, I'm not someone that's like really scared of spiders. Mm. I would not like a pet tarantula or to hold a tarantula or anything like that. Yeah, but I'm not like objectively like phobic of spiders. Mm. But that thing is like, nope. That I can take all of my nope and go somewhere <laughs> else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I saw a tarantula come in this room, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of scary. But they're quite slow moving generally, and then, but if like a spider like the size. You know, huge like size of a sofa cushion. He's like, no, we're bigger. I said, like, no, 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 no. It's like if I have to kill a spider that I can't stomp on it with a baseball bat, that's too big. <laughs> that's far too big for me.
1: I and mean, this thing is probably, judging by the size, you know, Harry Potter two, and there's all not Aragog, but all his children. Yeah, it's probably a bit, just a bit smaller than that sort of size. I'd probably suggest. Go on then, Wayne, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, oh yes, that's exactly what this world
0: needs. <laughs> oh, mm. terrifying. Go on then, Wayne, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up with your favourite extinct, if you can actually think of one, because
2: <laughs> you've studied so many. Uh, it would have to be Megalodon. Um, oh, yes. It's basically the biggest shark that's ever lived. It's 50 plus feet it would make it's twice the size of jaws if if jaws were actually real and not some stupid animatronic thing but <laughs> its teeth are literally bigger than the bigger than my hand i've got um a specimen at home actually um for why did you not bring the 200 with quid
1: well <laughs> that's just as
0: much as 200 quid yeah I'll it, <laughs> if it was 200 quid i send would it over definitely
2: yeah definitely send that to me but um yeah basically it was like it's uh absolute massive super predator it ate whales you know just for just for freaking pick and mix basically it was absolutely monstrous this thing um, it's recently been discovered which is kind of a heartbreak that it isn't a re- um, a relative of the Great White okay. it's actually um, dissociated from that so all the modern renditions that you have for like there's a Walking With Dinosaur special with Nigel Marvin mm. it's like a three part um, episodic program it's got Megalodon in if you want to see like an artist's rendition of that and uh, cgi is relatively decent yeah um but just bear in mind that it doesn't look anything like a great white even though its basic structure is is undoubtedly similar and also bear in mind the only thing we have of megalodon is its tooth and jawbone that's literally it. everything yeah, else is else. oh wow okay everything else is cartilaginous, but its mouth to put it into perspective of a size its jaw could accommodate a five-person family Wow, that's how big it is. We're
1: talking about something that, if we're comparing it in terms of this, often compared to the Great White, Mm. if it were to be alive, it could probably just open its maw and take in a Great White Shark hole and close its mouth again fuck
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is imagine being in a submarine imagine because that's obviously horror films and things at the side but like imagine if there was actually a Megalodon or two still alive in the deepest reaches of the oceans there are theories and imagine if like climate change unfounded may, ones but mm. there we go imagine yeah. if like climate change somehow made one imagine that's probably already a bad film coming out um, or something like that yeah, but like Meg climate change Jason
2: Statham
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jason Statham but like have that and like a, oh, it's a like Megalodon the, the comes out Meg, yeah at, like, yeah yeah, uh, that's the it one. looks like it's almost a spoof I, I hope it's a spoof film so it looks it, like a spoof it's got to be a spoof film if I it's hope gonna it is. be yeah but it with um with that,
0: like, imagine, like, climate changes, and then you're in a submarine, like, and it comes up, and just, imagine, just takes a bite out of a huge... and rips the submarine. Imagine being in a submarine, which is terrifying enough. It's one of my biggest fears. So I'm never going to go in a fucking submarine. But imagine being yeah. in a submarine, and having a shark bigger than any shark that you've ever seen exist before, ever. Bigger than a... what? Bigger than a blue whale, is it? Mm. Or, so it's a shark bigger than a blue whale, coming at a submarine, ripping it in half, and you're on un- So many depths under the... Uh, like underwater and you see the teeth bigger than your hand ripping a thing apart to a mouth that could accommodate basically a like great
2: white it's like no no that is yeah. terrifying the, the most terrifying thing about it was it was around with us it, it's only 30 million years old oh god so like during the eocene while our earliest ancestors were walking the plains of africa it was stalking the seas so no wonder we want oh. to jump on land <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ imagine that imagine when like um, people from like uh, Christopher Columbus and that sort of thing went over to America in like the, the sort of
1: wooden ships and then a megalodon. <laughs> it almost certainly would have been open ocean deep sea style stuff mm. oh, like yeah. it wouldn't have been anything close to coastal oh, water god Heather. no 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 of
0: course not it would be run around and drowned, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously I mean across from like the
0: if from England and Europe across to um America is that where the, the
1: Ariana trench is Mar- uh, down the Atlantic is it is it the Atlantic or is it the Pacific that has the Marianas trench i think it's the pacific I not mean, you the marine biologist <laughs> yeah i can't i can never remember i know the ring of fire is in the no i can't remember that either <laughs> with well, the Mar- i deal with biology not geology <laughs> do touchay it's uh, in
0: the pacific yeah. it is the pacific but it is and um i'm terrible with oceans is the pacific between us
1: uh the pacific is between america and asia yeah. I see, yeah, I've got it here, a picture of it. The wow. Indian is between the rest of Asia and India, funny enough.
0: Awesome. Well, um, yeah, we've it's passed the two-hour mark now. I think this has been a fantastic
1: conversation about a whole
0: manner of things. I, I think if-
1: one interesting point, though, to raise, Go which on, I don't know if it's ever been mentioned by you before, um, but one of the things they've been able to do fairly recently is through fossils being able to look actually quite closely at skin and extract information enough to help artists' renditions is to actually extract pigments right. that's and to what, actually get colours.
0: That is true, yeah. I mean, that's um, that has been mentioned in the other podcast, but obviously I imagine not everyone who's listened to this podcast has the other one, but that's quite a good uh, segue of, yeah. Obviously, Wayne's been on the podcast before. We spoke about um, one of his books uh, as and the human condition and sort of good versus evil. But we also have one where we talk about just a general idea of paleontology. And one of the things um, that I think you said about was you were at... Um, was it your archaeological site, and you found um, a bit of skin on um, something on a ichthyosaur? Like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, an so ichthyosaur
2: skull, um, roughly about yay big. Probably yes. about.
0: the sh- size of a like a standard a sofa cushion.
2: Laptop. Yeah. About a third of, off of a laptop, but yeah, yeah basically because it's um, preserved in something called a Conservat Lagerstadt, which is an amazing term. Word, um <laughs> basically, it's it's quickly buried you know like all of a sudden buried they reckon that it's due to like undersea sort of turbidity flows so you have like this avalanche of the seabed basically Mm. and it just envelops anything and everything and then it just instantly freezes it because bacteria can't obviously get involved other than that which is housed already within the body yeah so the external layer it's not so much it doesn't preserve like the first top three layers of skin but everything under sort of the hypodermis and the epidermis, you'd probably end up with this thin layer. And we've got um, pictures of uh, microscope thin sections of that skin taken from, from the ichthyosaur. Um, and there was talk of a paper to go into like the pigment side of things, but our SEM broke down at the time. Oh. So we couldn't do that. There we go. So
0: I think that's quite a good thing to sort of round up on. If there's anything else you guys want to
1: add before I wrap and up just this. to note how unbelievably rare it is for soft tissues to be preserved mm. ridiculous
0: yeah well you can imagine so millions I mean I, I'm still astounded we even find fossils like I know mm. obviously scientifically it makes sense but the chances and obviously I think we briefly spoke about it in the paleontology episode as well of like it's exciting what the future is going to hold of for example um oh, what's it called uh like when a when a plane i think they found out with gobekli tepe i think it was where you can basically fly a plane over somewhere and they can basically what was it you you know more about this than i do i think where no you were the one telling me was i telling you yeah. oh no no it was uh, um they use like not sonar or something it's along like those lines is
2: um like they use on time team yeah they, it? it's, they basically
0: use a thing
2: there we go
0: they can fly a plane over it yeah and they can basically tell how deep things go over the surface so you can tell if there's like cave systems under the surface and they can use these this way to map things out essentially so obviously if they found like huge caves under underground or any sort of other things if they got it pinpoint enough they could check for sort of biological material that they could look through dirt and go okay well in this 10 by 10 mile area of dirt we found X amount of bones from something let's take a look let's get narrower and narrower we we'll check that area and eventually we'd be able to find rather than almost kind of half guessing like oh someone in the back garden found this around here there's probably some dinosaurs let's check the area and hope it's obviously it's not quite that <laughs> quite that vague but like the steps we can go with technology it's going to be very exciting I, I
1: think um I think it's even I'm not giving it justice on how rare it is like in terms of just regular fossils are statistically, even now, like, still incredibly rare for a successful fossilization. Mm. Like, how many things we've found definite fossils for, but just a piece. Yeah. Not the whole thing. Just a piece. Like, a vertebrae or something like that. Or, like, for megalodon, just the jaws. But those are already so incredibly rare. Mm. Like, to say about soft tissue preservation is unfathomable. Yeah. Like, it is... So, so unlikely to successfully happen that, like, it's just not even worth going out to look for it. It's <laughs> like, if you find it, gold mine. If not, you shouldn't have been expecting to. Yep. Like,
0: ever. <laughs> and Wayne was on the team that found it, because he's amazing.
1: <laughs> well,
2: there was a clip Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, luck has a lot to do with it. Oh, it's definitely. Just, um down uh, Black Blackven in Dorset, like Lime Regis area, it's just, if you have cliff falls, they normally come from sort of the ammonite beds. Um, you're looking at the um, sort of the belemnite miles and that kind of thing. So they come down from there in, in the landslips. And obviously all we found was this this nodule. And I thought, well, normally nodules only form around organic matter because obviously what you have is this envelope that's created by the bacteria that are obviously feeding on the organism. They create like this cyst type structure. Yeah. Which then mineralizes, and then the um, the clay, which it's um, the limestone is formed from, sort of accumulates onto it, yeah. almost like pelagic fallout sort of thing, like, like underwater snow, if you will. And that then accumulates into a nodule. Um, most of the time, you find them in places like Morocco, and you split them open, and you find three D preserved fish. Um, but for this case, like I say, it was um, an ichthyosaur skull of, of a juvenile female, um, which you. can... You, you know, you can use anatomical characteristics just to, to, to determine the sex. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Like you what kind of skull level. Was a yeah, like maybe the about the size of it was the side of the um, the ventral apexes. So where they're diapsid um, reptiles, obviously they got like two holes. Two, in, yeah, in, yeah, on the Top of the head. Two cells so yeah. obviously, um, what the left is larger than the right in a male, and the right is larger than the left in a female. Okay.
1: Oh, wow. This is just to do with um, reptile skull, morphology. like, morphology, is that like they have holes in their skulls in certain places. Oh, why? Just the way they are. Why oh, so there's why, no, oh, why, yeah. why do you have, like, the little things, like, here in your skull? Dimples. Like, it, like yeah, well, it's just... That's well, dimples how it's outside the skull, yeah. Well, I was thinking... As I was say, the size of the skull itself, was, like, you say about the size of a rugby ball yeah, 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 sort okay. of like that,
0: yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. Well, yeah. I guess I'll wrap it up. I'll make sure I note yeah. links to obviously some of the science for simples we do with you, Josh, and obviously the painting, episode we do with you, Wayne, and we'll definitely have to do another one of these in the future, both about yeah, you know, religion, politics, all those sort of other interesting things, and more about uh, sciencey stuff. So, really appreciate you guys coming on again. And um, yeah, Josh. I'm doing thumbs up. I know no relevance in the podcast. Just to, the to me, TV, even yes. though we we'll talk after the podcast, I hope. But <laughs> No, I'm out. <laughs> out forever. I'm done. All right. I don't live with you. You don't. No, we don't watch anime most nights. No. <laughs> All then. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, as I said at the start, um, even though I released this as a standalone episode, um, it is technically part two of a chat. Um, so if you enjoyed this one and haven't listened to the other part, make sure you go listen to that. It's just going to be the episode before this one. Um, it's about superpowers and um, human culling and that sort of thing. Next week will be a release of an episode that I've had recorded for a little while. Um, it's a friend of mine called Steve, and he's basically a homosexual. And he talks about what it was like growing up gay, um, the sort of struggles that he went through and things like that, um, especially because he's a bit older than I am. Um, I actually know him because he's a friend of my um, brother and sister-in-law. Um, so he's um in his mid to late 30s and he was basically talking about how when he was that age um, people didn't talk about being gay it wasn't taught in schools um and i believe it was 1967 i think it was the late 60s early 70s um where homosexuality was actually illegal in in england until that point so that is really not that long ago obviously from now it's about 50 51 years so it's like it was so recent from when he was growing up about 30 issue 25 years ago, then it's it's very interesting to hear the perspective of what it was like growing up in a school and things like that and he also speaks about um homosexuals had like a their own language called Polari um it's like a theatrical slang it's it's all very very interesting and it's it's a really really good podcast um especially the people who are into the podcast that are more so about people and individuals and sort of political issues and social change and that sort of thing because he also worked with um quite a few groups that are trying to like break out and uh, no limits and these sorts of things which um he hasn't worked with uh, no no limits but he worked to break out they now part of no limits but like he's worked with um, organizations that are trying to help youths that are in the lgbtq plus community so you know really good podcast um, coming up next week if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you listen to the last one um i, I think that's really everything guys um thanks as always for tuning in and um, be sure to like us on instagram twitter facebook that sort of thing uh, review us on itunes if you feel like it deserves it even if you can't be bothered to write a review if you just go on the podcast app click five stars that will make me so incredibly happy you know uh, i released this for free i'm not asking for any money or anything like that if anyone does have the time and does feel like it deserves a review that's that'd be really really appreciated but you know if you can't be bothered or you don't think it deserves it that's completely fine just want to kind of throw it out there just to remind people especially at the end of the podcast but um yeah thanks as always for tuning in guys i really appreciate everyone listening especially right to the very end and um i'll talk to you next week